My name is Carlos Calderón Macias. My work seeks to understand uh, wave propagation phenomena for imaging the subsurface, uh, including deriving Earth properties. Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I talk with Carlos Calderon Macias, the SEG 2022 Latin America Honorary Lecturer. Carlos holistically explores the near-surface scattering problem. He highlights ways to understand the problem better and why using the noise-as-signal approach should be further developed. He also explores the differences in the scattered waves for land, ocean bottom, and near-surface data. Carlos shares what inspired this lecture, the three groups perfect for this talk, and the questions he hopes attendees will ask themselves. Not only does this conversation highlight the near-surface scattering problem, but it showcases general approaches for solving any geophysical problem. Visit seg.org podcast to register for his lecture. This episode is sponsored by Geophysical Insights. Change your tools, change your world. Machine learning technology is accelerating interpretation workflows and yielding new insights in seismic and well data. Check out the guided workflows on the Paradise AI workbench, including stratigraphic analysis, automatic fault detection, attribute generation and selection, and seismic facies classification, to name a few. Paradise is available on-premises or in the cloud. Visit geoinsights.com products to get better tools. And now my conversation with Carlos Calderon Macias. Well, we are speaking to you today, Carlos, about your upcoming honorary lecture for SEG, and it's entitled Near Surface Scattering and Seismic Data from Signal to Noise and Noise to Signal. The phrase signal to noise will be common for any geophysicist uh, or mathematician for that matter. But what do you mean by noise to signal? Okay, yeah, it's, it's really a couple of things. So one is uh, near-surface scattering is one of uh, uh, many problems that come when analyzing seismic signals. And we often say that uh, noise for, for, for somebody is signal for, for somebody else. So, so in a general sense, uh, it's somewhat arbitrary what we call noise and what, what we call signal. I think it depends on, on, on the application. And, and a great example of that, as, as we geophysicists uh, learn uh, seismology, we learn about uh, uh, surface waves, uh, and Rayleigh waves, type of way that happens when you have an interface between two very different uh, materials, like, say, air and a solid or water and a solid. So we, we, we know them as a surface wave or interface waves. Uh, but when you are in exploration, uh, there is this term that people know that is called uh, ground roll. And, and it's, it's basically a noise, uh, something that we treat as noise. But again, we learn it as a surface wave. So we, we use a more scientific term. But, but engineering, in engineering, yeah, I mean, you, you basically see how that, that is treated as noise and not really as a signal. Um, and there is another example in my in my in my talk. There is something that we call a shear leakage that we see in, in ocean bottom uh, receivers, and the shear leakage is a manifestation of, of near surface scattering. It's just again because when when people encounter these things, you you put it a name that even tells you that hey, this is this is noise. This is really not signal. In a more general sense, I'm, I'm kind of interested in a, in a very nice principle in science that is called complementarity, which means you know, looking at a problem from, from 
different ways. It just helps you to understand better the problem. So, so switching these words, noise and signal, I, I think that that has that aspect. Uh, uh, you, you try to understand the physics of the noise, and, and I think we we will be in a better place to to tackle that that problem. That sounds like a very helpful principle in general. There to to think about. What is, you, you kind of mentioned it there at the top, what is the near-surface scattering problem? Yeah, um, so, so this happens when, when seismic waves are generated by, by a source. It interacts with, with a very heterogeneous media. And, and that's often the case for the near surface. Uh, so the near surface has uh, properties that change kind of rapidly in space. And so things such as topography changing, uh, existence of shallow cavities, sinkholes, uh, uh, shallow channels, and e- even even human-made uh, construction, right, that, that are kind of in the near surface, what we call near surface, which is really the first 100 meters, say, below the surface. It may be also a smaller, smaller scale feature, such as uh, uh, the fact that soil properties uh, under extreme weather conditions become quite heterogeneous just, just due to the weathering. Uh, so interaction of these irregularities with the boundary that I was talking about, the, uh, uh, in this case, air and, and, and a solid or, or water and, and the sea bottom that have very different elastic properties serve some, of some kind of amplification. So when you are near a boundary, what you get are waves that travel in the, in the boundary. So what happens in the near surface scattering problem is that as the, as the waves that are ignited by a source uh, interact with the with the near surface and then start traveling in the in the in the interface and because we place our sensors on top of these boundaries then what what we get is very strong signal that often we want to remove what's the most difficult task facing geoscientists trying to find a coherent signal when they are processing land and ocean bottom seismic data Right. So, so as I was saying, uh, uh, the main thing is uh, undoing the effect of the of the near surface geology. So this is this is a, a, and one of the reasons why for me this is a very interesting problem is in 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 when processing seismic data, uh, the free surface or, or this interface introduces something that we get to describe as noise very often. And, and probably the best example is is multiples. If you have heard the word, so these are multiple bounces from from the energy that we inject, uh, it comes up, uh, it hits some kind of a, a target or a object, geologic objective, right? And then and then this signal comes up and then we capture with the receivers. It's just that the free surface sends the signal back again to the subsurface. And so it bounces uh, many times. And so it, it, traditionally we treat that as, as noise. Uh, we could use that information also to, to, to unravel the the subsurface. Um, uh, there is a similar problem that we uh, describe as the ghost effect. Uh, that's again, the source interacts with the near, uh, with, with the free surface, and then it produces a, a secondary source. And it's problematic because every event that we record has uh, this thing that we call ghost uh, event. Uh, uh, right again, you, you see that kind of the terminology that uh, it induces to think about noise. And then the, the scattering problem is, is similar because all the data that we record at the surface will go through the near surface, right? So it all is going to be, if we see it as noise, it will be contaminated. So, Carlos, what are the differences in the scattered waves for land, ocean bottom, and near surface data? 
Right. So fund- fundamentally, this is this is a very similar problem from the uh, wave propagation uh, perspective. Uh, so one one very important aspect of uh, understanding the near surface scattering uh, problem is that this is an elastic problem. In an elastic uh, propagation, we have uh, compressional waves and shear waves, and and the scattering uh, from the near surface really has is, it has both types of uh, waves. So both inland and, and ocean bottom that uh, representation of the Earth is necessary to understand the, the near-surface uh, scattering problem. Now, at a, at a practical level, yeah, there are some differences. Uh, in land, uh, the source interacts with the near-surface really very quickly, or right at the time that we, that we ignite a source, the wave is propagating at the near-surface. And then it goes through the, goes through the uh, near-surface, and then we get our... Uh, reflection from deeper in the in the subsurface, and then it comes back and it interacts again with the near surface. Uh, in the marine case, it's it's different. So the source is a, is in a, a homogeneous layer, which is the water, right? So it doesn't interact with the with the near surface until it penetrates the water bottom, and then when the signal again comes up, it interacts with the with the near surface. Um, because of that, we tend to think that uh, the, the marine case is it might be a bit simpler. In ocean bottom data, I, I mentioned the term uh, shear leakage, and so what what happens in this case is when the signal comes from a reflection deep in the uh, subsurface, and then it interacts with the near surface close to the water bottom as the signal is coming up. Because of the interface between water and and solid. And there is an interface wave that is generated due to the singularities or the, the, the changes in conditions of the water bottom. So this is a wave that travels horizontally and shear waves polarize, you know, they, they generate motion perpendicular to the direction of propagation. So if the wave is traveling at the interface, which is mostly horizontal for the water bottom, then the energy uh, is polarized in the, in the perpendicular, which is the vertical direction. So when we look at our data, uh, we look at a vertical uh, geophone, it's contaminated by this thing that we call shear leakage, which again is really a manifestation of what's happening close in the, in the water bottom that we normally don't get in environments where the, the water bottom is not as irregular. Now, in, in water, we also cap- capture pressure. And the neat thing about pressure is that uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't measure shear. So different to land in marine data, we have this extra component, uh, which is a hydrophone. And so that gives us a way to separate noise from signal, because in one case, we measure the shear signal in the, in the vertical phone, but in the hydrophone, we only measure the pressure. Uh, so we use that fact to remove a lot of the noise that we have, the near surface scattering noise that uh, contaminates our recordings. Um, Again, in land, we don't have that feature, so, so we cannot play that game. So we, we have to really look at other ways to remove the, the near surface scattering. You know, you say in the literature that there have been two general analysis of this near surface scattering problem in terms of its understanding and application with a little explicit overlap between the two of them. What are these two general analyses? And I guess the next logical question from that is, have you found that there is actually an overlap in this problem? 
Right. So, so to, to describe it um, in a way, so so when when we are trying to get rid of, get rid of, of the noise, we, we usually what we do is we look at characteristics of, of that the noise may have versus the signal. Uh, things such as uh, uh, frequency, uh, coherency, the speed at which this noise may travel. If we if we can somehow discriminate from from. Uh, higher velocities that usually we associate with reflections, then we have a way to discriminate them. So, so basically, the, the more typical approach that we follow to to remove uh, the near surface scattering problem is to look at the statistics of the of the data that we are capturing, right? And that again, those differences then then we point to a, some kind of scheme that we use those statistics to discriminate the sig- the, the noise and the signal. So that that's kind of the uh, I call it say the data view. Um, the second, the second view is is a model based view where you try to to explain the um, the the noise as if it were signal, meaning somehow you have a way to model it, right? to reproduce the noise, and then subtract it from the from the data. It's a, it's a very interesting question. Say, so, okay, what's the overlap between between these two? I mean, at, at, a, at a bigger in, in my talk, something that I focus is well treating it as, as the second view, if anything else, it provides for a way to understand the problem. So, so trying to reproduce the physics of the noise uh, is one way to then to come up with a, an approach to use that energy for something that may benefit uh, some other application and also to remove it if it's, if it's really noise that, uh, again, we need to remove from, from our signal. The overlap basically is not is not is, there isn't a whole lot. I think in most cases we 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 run to the first view where we remove the noise based on statistics um, versus the more complex way where you you need to think about how to model this 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 noise. What viable approaches have you found in addressing this noise attenuation problem? So I think that the, the statistical uh, approach, and, and we have a really, really good toolbox for tackling the problem. This is uh, methods and science that were developed uh, quite a bit ago, and also there is the uh, multi-channel uh, uh, schemes where where you use again the fact that we have a lot of data and some some. Uh, by the kind of acquisition that we do, where we have a lot of sources, a lot of receivers, and so. Filtering approaches such as bandpassing the data and uh, deep filters, as well as approaches that um, separate at different scales in both in time and space, the data have been great ways to to tackle this problem. Uh, there is an issue because, of course, we don't want to when we remove noise, we don't want to damage uh, uh, the signal. Uh, but also we don't want to change uh, the amplitude of the signal. And that's that's when it becomes more problematic because the, we use the data to, to create an image of the source surface, but we also use it to derive properties. So that means that we need high fidelity of our signal. And so we, when we apply these techniques, uh, it, it's often that we are damaging a bit of that information. And, and that's where you know the details are quite important. Uh, in the model view, uh, there are some simplifications that we do when we when we apply that view. It means that we need a representation of the near surface on how to model it, and then and then adaptively subtract it from the uh, from the field data. 
I would say that it's uh, a commonality to use a cascade of approaches, not not only one to to be able to remove most of the, uh, most of the noise. So we could combine, in fact, the two one the two the two approaches, the statistical one and the model view one, uh, for us to get to get a better result and. One one of the main points of my of my talk of my lecture uh, consists in talking about a multi component. So so when we acquire data in LAN, we usually uh, record three components: one vertical, two horizontals. Uh, in marine data, uh, when we have ocean bottom receivers, we have one more component, which is pressure. And using these extra components, uh, that basically means recognizing when the data comes polarized in one direction or, or another is also a way to discriminate uh, the noise uh, from the signal. Why do you think using noise as signal has fewer widespread applications and has been maybe discussed a little less in the literature? Yeah, so so this, this second view uh, is more holistic in a way because what we are saying is that uh, our uh, subsurface model uh, if we can predict uh, somehow the signal and the noise and treat it all together, right, then we would be successful, right? I mean, of course, that requires a model, and deriving a model is not an easy thing. So it's, it's, we call it an inversion process where we are deriving the properties at certain scale uh, that is enough to mimic either the signal or the noise and then subtract one, one from the other. Uh, so that's a very expensive procedure, right? I mean, trying to solve the full problem uh, versus the way we treat it, where we say, well, let's let's first denoise the data, right? Before we start using the signal, this other way of doing it uh, historically has been has been more efficient computationally and also less complex. There are less parameters to derive, right? And so that that has made it uh, simpler. So so. In a nutshell, the physics of treating the full signal and noise problem as a one single problem, it's, it's a much more complex problem. What about your work and study inspired you to develop this particular lecture? I started to working with uh, these kind of uh, waves, what I call uh, surface waves or interface waves back in my, in my bachelor's degree in Mexico. And then, interestingly, I came up to the same to the same problem at different stages in my career. First, uh, working on land data, and then later with, with uh, no data. And so, um, when when I was uh, invited by SEG uh, to to give this lecture, I think I think combining these experiences for the time that I was a student to to still the fact that I'm still uh, wrestling with this problem as, as many people are then it, it was a great opportunity to go back to this problem. It's not a new problem. It's, it's been here with us for, for since I started studying and even, even back then. So it's really not a new thing. What, what is really interesting is that it, it is still there and there are still things to do to, to be able to, to understand it and tackle it in a, in a better way. Yeah, it's kind of exciting when you have a challenging problem like this that you can just really, really look at and work at. Who who is the perfect audience for this talk? So I I, I think there are three three overlapping uh, audiences probably that that could benefit from listening to the lecture. So one is uh, just there is a, a good amount of colleagues that uh, work in the near surface scattering problem either because they want to again unravel 
detail and discover the reflection signal or people that are inter interested in near surface geophysics. So, so, so those ones would be people that uh, I hope, yeah, I mean, they can join and, and provide a, a good discussions following the, following the lecture. So that, that's one I would call it the, the expert group. There's the second one is, is just uh, noise in, in signals. That's a very, that's a very general topic and many people work on this. And, and uh, this is not really my talk that it really goes to, to details on, on, on no methods to remove noise. But, but I think that's, that's another group that I, I'm sure they, they can ask really great questions and also, also provide, provide feedback. Um, and, and the third one is, like I was saying, uh, uh, this, is, this is still unfinished business, so there, there are still a lot of work to do. So I think it's a great place for, for students also and, and people that want to move to a different, within geophysics, to, to a different problem. Yeah, I think what you said at the top is just kind of that complementary approach of flipping signal to noise to noise to signal, just kind of those kinds of thought models are really helpful, especially for students as they're developing their career and kind of building off kind of these questions idea. What is a question you do hope attendees might ask themselves after this presentation? Yeah, so 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 there is in fact one that you asked me is, is a great one. You know, the overlap between these these ways in which we can see uh, the problem. There hasn't been a lot of work on that, right? I mean, how, how can we combine these these two ways of uh, looking at the noise? One is where we try to model the noise, and second, uh, also look at the statistics uh, that separates signal from noise. Uh, I think that that provides uh, a good a good discussion. And there is a second one. I think that uh, something that I don't discuss much in the talk, but it's a very important one. So. So the near scattering problem is, is a combination of, of the how complex is the near surface geology and also the ways in which we acquire uh, the seismic data, right? And, and so how we place our sources and our receivers, how many components we placed, uh, the frequency of the source and so on also plays a very important role in saying, okay, this is the best kind of acquisition that is going to um, uh, help us to see through the near surface, that's also a great a great place of uh, discussion and, and asking questions. Now, uh, a third one that, that I also like a lot that I that I that I spend some time in my talk is how, how this relates to other problems in, in signal signal processing. So, is there something that mimics or that is as complex as as this problem and I was, as I was commenting, uh, the free surface generates quite a bit of uh, problems for us. So, so it's, it's the multiples and the, the deghosting issue, for instance. And, and the, the near surface scattering problem goes hand in hand with those problems in the sense that uh, by removing the interface, if we had some magic way of doing it, then we would have a, a data that would be much, say, cleaner or simpler uh, to look at. Well, the next live presentation of this is October 6th, but the nice thing about these talks is that they are recorded so you can go back and listen to them uh, if, if you can't catch the next presentation. And I kind of want to end lastly here with a, a more general question in that what principle teaching or point of view has helped you succeed in your field? 
I mean, I, I, I would say, Andrew, that uh, um, one for me that I, that I value a lot is, is exactly asking questions. So, so when, we, when we look at seismic data, it has the, there is a lot of science behind and theory, and there is a lot of uh, looking at data. And, and having questions, I think, go a, a long way in trying to understand the problem, not having one question, but many. So, so just the fact that uh, uh, we look at a problem and then, and then we find something that we don't understand, then asking questions really has, has two parts to it. I mean, one, one is to, to, to slow down, right, to, to see the problem and say, hey, I really don't understand this. And then how do I describe this lack of, say, knowledge or experience to understand that particular problem? And, and I think it, it, for me, it has never, it has never failed, right? I mean, you, you, you are going through a problem and, and yet yeah, you sometimes we provide relatively quick solutions or, or, or answers. And, uh, you know, going back later on and saying, okay, I, I really need to understand this problem in, in a better way. I would say not, nothing beats to, to writing your questions or having a good idea of which questions do we have. Uh, before we tackle, so keeping that open mind to to again slow down and look at look at uh, uh, your mind, right, and say, okay, this is something that I don't understand. I need to think think more about it. Um, so so not only we should be sharing information, but also sharing our questions. That's also a great way to to improve our questions. And as we improve our questions, I think it means we are gaining an understanding on on the problem. Well, you are living out that that idea right now as you're sharing questions to consider as well as helping people understand this topic a little bit more by presenting it. So I appreciate you highlighting this upcoming talk. We'll provide the links for the information to register for for this lecture. And Carlos, thanks for taking SEG up on developing this talk and, and for providing it to other people. Thanks a lot for the for the interview as well as SEG that has this great idea of choosing these topics and and discussing them and bringing them to the to the larger group of uh, geoscientists. SEG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. And follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.